welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Daily Thunder, Knock a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A R. Y-S-E.com. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham, in here with me this afternoon, Dan Kalinsky, Amadou So. What is up, Dan? What is up, Amadou? Doing good, man. Doing good. Glad to hear it, Dan. How have you been? Uh, no complaints here. Uh, just hoping the uh, Browns don't draft a linebacker in the first round. I, I don't have an educated take on the Browns and what they'll do in the draft. But um, anyway, we can talk about the Cavs. Uh, losing some games, record sits at 21-41 uh, and 41 at this point. Uh, since we last recorded, they have lost to the Wizards, Raptors, and Magic. Uh, Magic game was full of ups and downs. Again, both teams basically playing without half their roster. We can get into that in a little bit. But uh, the Cavaliers obviously are playing without Prince and Windler at this point in the season. Nance broke a finger. He will be likely out the rest of the season. Colin Sexton, Isaiah Hartenstein, and Lamar Stevens all dealing with concussions at this point. It'll yet to be seen when they'll be back. Uh, I think Colin was listed as questionable for the game against the Wizards. Uh, and Delhi is out with a neck strain right now. And uh, I think he was ruled out for the Wizards game as well. A lot going on right now. Um, I guess we can just kind of start with the Magic game, the most recent game, just because there's, I think, a lot to take away from it as far as just being a weird game. The Cavaliers, at, I think, in the third quarter were down at one point by 20 points, uh, and it just kind of seemed like things were really flying off the rails. Obviously, they got it back to being super close. Um both, you know, really, I think you can credit it to, you know, really pressuring on defense by the Cavs and hitting some key shots, and also just an absolute collapse by a young, inexperienced Magic team that also was missing a bunch of their own players. Um, but I guess we can just start there, Dan. What do you make of a game like that against the Magic? I think in the end, even with a loss, you kind of have to take some positives away from it just because of that little run there at the end. Yeah, I just think it's it's kind of showing that um, – this team, with how they've been, um, to a large extent, there's been some instances where we haven't seen it. Um, but 
it just seems like, uh, for the most part, um, since I would say like post All Star, um, there have been instances where they've they've been down, um, but they, they seem to have that. Uh, there's more of the at least will you're seeing. Um, there's going to be mistakes, but they're going to do what they have to do to kind of make it respectable. And um, you do see the kind of um, there's been some resilience with this group um, and there's just more of the instances uh, game to game of, of the culture they're trying to set um, aside from the love blunder. I'm not, we'll get into that in a bit, but uh, I just think they're kind of doing what they have to do to, uh, kind of patch things together if need be. Um, and when push comes to shove, the ball movement has, has really been the key for them when, when that's been, I guess, kind of giving them that kind of jump start. We can get into Kevin Love a little bit. Uh, obviously, and, and again, another player who had a moment there at the end of that game, uh, hit a couple of shots, ended up shooting two for 11 on the night, 10 of which were threes, two for 10 from three. Did get ten rebounds. Did have six assists, three steals, uh, and you know, despite the sh- the poor shooting, it, it, it's good to see him at least. You know, at least he's saying that he's putting in the effort at this point, I guess. But what do you make, Amadou? I'll go with you on this one first of the whole Kevin Love situation that we saw. Obviously, the play was in the third quarter against the Raptors. Uh, Kevin Love, you know, it seemed like the, the one play he was definitely fouled. Um, you know, had blood on his knee and obviously wasn't happy about that. And the second play, I don't know, it looked weird just because, like, he definitely got pushed in the back. It seemed like he tried to sell it a little bit. Um, maybe he didn't. I don't know. I, I don't know how hard the push See, really was. I the wasn't first there. play, he did get a foul, though. They got, they Did they call the foul? A, there was maybe a loose ball foul called. Like when he had on, the thing with the like, knee cut, yeah. Was like that, worldwide? Okay. Wob tweeted something that he didn't yeah, get he had a the call. He did get the call. I think he ended okay. up making both free throws. So like people need to to get that right. Okay, well I, mean, I had that mistake as I'm well. Not, then. I'm not grilling you. I'm just saying that 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 so he did have that. But either way, I mean, you can understand he's frustrated about that. Whatever. You had to think there were probably about, other things having gone on prior to that too, though. The way the and game there probably gone. were, and that. That one yeah. last kind of push was probably just the tipping point. Uh, obviously, the referee handed them the ball, and he just kind of pushed it in. Uh, you know, Garland wasn't even looking when he threw it in. Uh, Malachi Flynn got the ball, hit a three. Um, and obviously, I think there were a lot of emotions felt about Kevin in <laughs> after that game and throughout the rest of that game just by fans. You know, a lot of people turning on him. And being that he has an, an, a history of – these types of incidents as far as, you know, just being frustrated with teammates or being frustrated with the organization in general. Uh, I think, you know, and he did come out and say that his frustration was more so towards the refs than it was towards the Stone team. Um, but what do you make of the situation as a whole, Amadou? It's just, uh, I, I don't even know. That play, I feel like just, just doing something like that, especially in a situation where I think at the time it was a two-possession game, I mean, that's a big play, especially if you're trying to win. And you talk about, or we talk about Kevin Love's frustrations. The biggest problem is that, you know, we're not winning games. So for him to do something like that in a particular moment where the game is close, obviously I mean, that that's not winning basketball. But, I mean, this this is just, it's happened too often. This is, what, the third instance now, I believe, right? You had the first one where he was, he smacked the chair um, against the Raptors, actually, too, last season. 
obviously the one at the end of that uh, OKC Thunder first half, that game, and then now this. He's supposed to be that vet guy in the locker room for us, you know? And I understand, you know, a lot of people talk about free Kevin Love, this and that. He signed a contract, you know? Um, he signed the contract maybe thinking that the Cavs would, you know, still continue their, their playoff push, but then he got injured. You know, that kind of ruined probably what the Cavs were looking to do. And to be quite frank, he is, you know, some part of the problem. Obviously, you know, these injuries that he sustains, sometimes, you know, there's just it's just nothing you can really do. But you know, if you if you want the Cavs to win games, you have to be available. I don't I don't understand how you can get frustrated at the team. Obviously it's a young team now. I, I just he, he has to be that vet guy for us and he just he just isn't that yeah and I mean he's he's saying the right things right now um you know saying that he'll, he'll continue to you know whatever with Cleveland he, saying that he likes Cleveland basically um and that he likes being here and that he'll continue to like being here but um it is just it's I'm kind of with you Amadou, as far as I'm just not sure what to make of the situation right now just because you're not playing, I don't think, well, he's definitely not playing the best basketball of his career, but you are kind of struggling. And maybe, you know, those struggles are part of the reason that that frustration boiled over in the first place. But um, I don't know. I think it's it's clear that this isn't going to be a situation where, like, Kevin Love is done here. Uh, there was plenty of buyout talk as to how they could do that or how they could wave him and stretch him and whatever. I I think that that's not the case right now. We're not at that point. Um and we had mentioned last time, Dan, talking on the last pod about how, you know, it seems like maybe Kevin Love is kind of coming around to actually liking being here. Um, <laughs> I don't know. How do you how do you think that relationship is right now between both Kevin Love and the team, like from both sides? Where do you think they stand right now? Well, I, I think Amadou hit it. Um, you would like to see him be that kind of key leadership presence. I, I think he still is. Um, it's just, he's not going to be, uh, I, I think we need to realize just because somebody's making say X money, um, near max, whatever, um, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a leader by default. That's not how that is. Um, and I don't think all fans understand that like Kawhi Leonard, quite frankly, last season, it was the first time he actually had to be a leader in his career, really. And he flopped. So that's that's not something that fans understand. Um, granted, with love, as Amadou touched on, um, we've seen this before. It's it is really the third in like on floor slash on bench instance. Um, so that that stuff definitely stings. Um, but in in this case, yeah, it was given how things have kind of transpired here. Um, it's just too bad given the effort the cap showed up until that point, really, um, given all the injuries they have, Gary Trent Jr. on the other side wasn't available in this one, which just clearly was a guy that obliterated us for that last game before. But um, it, it's just too bad in, in that way because I, I thought actually at that point in the game, I thought – I know he didn't shoot well, but I thought Love actually played a pretty good all-around game. I thought he was pretty like pretty engaged defensively. Um, it was like the passing for him continues to be a positive. I, I really think he adds a lot in that regard. Um, but it, it did get to the line five times and that one hit all of them. 
but it, it's just you, you see these kind of rumblings about him, and I, I'm not going to over, completely overreact and say like, oh, you need to buy him out or um, wave and stretch him like right after this game. As some fans kind of jump to that conclusion, I think they kind of walked it back a little bit after the the kind of rock with Cleveland thing. I'm not reading that much into that either because it is words, and we've seen words, from, or I should say, heard words from Kevin Love before. So. Um, you take it all. I don't think it's really like a completely um, like come to Jesus moment for Kevin Love. I, I mean, I think he's generally been fond of Cleveland, um, but it, it's at least was really a positive that he. It's not the issue with teammates. It was just the refs kind of in that instance, um, because it, since he's been back, I don't think like Love has like we've touched on this before, like the. The off-ball defense, just the lack of fluidity right now and him trying to get himself back in shape seemingly doesn't help with that way. But individually, I think the effort has been there. It's been okay, um, and there's going to be limitations. But I just think offensively, he's just trying to find his rhythm. That's that's kind of the issue right now, that the shots haven't been falling consistently. I think that, as Amadou said, had something to do with it, but... Um, I, I think people also need to understand it's it's not just love. That was an inexcusable act, by the way, in that Raptors game. I'm not going to excuse that, but the Cavs are have to be culpable here too. They did ex- like they did decide to offer that. He took it. Um, did didn't actually sign like a, a like a full max at the time. No, it wasn't. Um, but I just think it's. I, I personally am not going to grill Kobe Altman for doing that at that said time. The Cavs. Wanted to have some semblance of relevance. Um, clearly, that hasn't happened, and him not hit the lack of availability jumps out. But I'm not going to have like a huge stance on this being like some like straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. No, I, I don't think it is. And you, you mentioned those, uh, you know, the rock with Cleveland comments. Um, and those being just words, I was actually just going to ask you as a follow-up. I, I don't. To that, Dan, I don't think he has a problem with Cleveland or, no, I or don't the either. organization no. right now. I just think it. It was a little bit like, okay, Kevin, like he, like you're yeah, kind of doing no. this for like the headlines kind of thing. I, uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I agree with you. Um, my question is, do you think these outbursts are going to continue? Whether it you're does, asking, I, I don't me? think. Yeah, I don't uh, think that we're going to see like your, a ton of this stuff. Your, Let's hear Amadou's take first. All right. What I was going to say, Amadou, is just I, I don't – I think we're past the point where, like, he's going to, like, publicly display frustration with teammates on the court. But obviously, like, he's still finding ways to do this. Do you think it's going to keep happening, like, into next season or even this season? Honestly, yeah. I feel like last year, like, that that was bad. I feel like that was probably the end all be all of us seeing frustrations coming out of Kevin Love. Obviously, that's not been the case. I feel like, yeah, I, I do truly believe that deals will continue to happen just because, I mean, you talk about a guy who he's constantly injured. The in- injuries are obviously, you know, play a part in the frustrations. Like you said in the interview, he can't really do the things that he wants to do on the court just because, you know, the, the injuries he has sustained this season and such. So, honestly, yeah, I, I do believe that. Unless the Cavaliers, of course, start winning games, which they have a real shot to next season. But aside from that, I do think that, you know, if the losing continues, you will still see frustrations from him. Do you want to try to understand whether it just kind of be these these moments where there's just kind of lack of focus and like a 
you know, obviously key moment or just a, a, a sheer act of frustration like this one was, do you think we're going to keep seeing this type of deal? Yeah, I, I, I can't say it definitively. I could see it. Um, but I, 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 again, I think we've moved past the issues with teammates at this point. I think there's, um, given the growth of Sexland, just how he's um, recently kind of said how he's all in on on the two young guards, for example, um, kind of how he's repeatedly touched on how uh, he's kind of seen development and growth from Okoro, for example. Um, the Cavs going out and getting a guy like Jared Allen, kind of stealing him, so to speak. Um, I don't think that's going to be the root of it, um, but I, I'm with Amadou. There's... Quite frankly, with Kevin, there's going to be continual injury struggles, probably going forward in his career. That's just how it is based on the history. Um, And especially with the – like, honestly, when that happened with with Ken Birch, I think it was to push him in the back there, and then he had that um, cut or whatnot. Honestly, I thought there was – I thought that, quite frankly, he was, like, legitimately hurt. I thought that could have been – I thought we might have seen him out for, like, a few games, frankly. Um, Not – that was just, like, kind of just, like, a quick kind of reaction just given what's happened with, with Kev, but yeah, I'm with Amadou. I think we very well could see it, but again, I I don't think it'll be with the teammates from here. And I really do think we're going to see the Cavs really have some sustained success starting next year uh, because I think they're going to get a difference maker in the draft, quite frankly. There's definitely a good chance they do. Um, and I think between that and just the development this team will have, and we'll, we'll right, get into right. all of this later, but you have to think winning will be more of a consistent thing starting next season. Um, like I said, different conversation for a different day. But um, let's talk a little bit about positive. Let's talk about Jared Allen, who I think is kind of back at this point. Obviously dealt with the concussion, was out for a while with that. Um, and it did seem like it took him – a couple weeks to kind of get back into a rhythm and kind of get back to where he was pre-injury. Amadou, at this point, do you think that Jared Allen is is fully recovered as far as like what he's bringing on the court? It seems like what we're seeing now is basically what we were seeing earlier in the season. Yeah, it's definitely looking like Jared Allen is back to his old self, which is just great to see, you know, continuing to alter shots in the paint, you know, has a knack for getting those boards. And I like to see that, you know, he's taking more of an assertive approach. You know, not just getting a rebound and looking for the kick out. He's looking to, you know, find his own shots if they're there. And, yeah, I, I definitely do believe that he's back now. Continuing to take some jumpers from outside uh, and hitting them at an okay rate for someone who doesn't take a ton of them and who I still think, you know, should should have a little bit more confidence from outside than he does. But a lot, a lot of efficient shooting nights uh, finished with um, 27 and 12 against the Wizards and really a big performance for him. Are you going to agree with Dan that Jared Allen is back at this point and that we're going to what we're seeing now is is him back to being fully healthy? Yeah, I think we definitely are. Um, I, I frankly like he didn't have the best game at Charlotte. Biombo um, had his share of offensive rebounds, uh, but I thought Jared offensively did show um, he was kind of more back to himself. Um, and and just I think with him, it, there's just there has to be more willingness, as Amadou said, to kind of assert himself a little bit. Like, to me, I, I don't want to see him be shooting the ball less than 10 times. I understand he's kind of like a pick and roll slash lob threat big, um, kind of put back guy. 
But I, I, we're seeing a, in the, these recent games, again, that, that touch really showing, um, kind of shining through. Um, that's been really good to see. And in that um, Wizards game got to the foul line nine times. I, I really like to see that from him because when he's there, he does look comfortable. He was 3-6 in the last game, but um, has it just shows continued growth um, in, in that way. And I, I think it, the stats necessar- won't necessarily bear it out, but I, I think his his feel as a passer seems to be improving as well to me. No, I definitely agree with you. Um, it does just seem, I think we're seeing him kind of take over. I won't say take over possessions, but not just finishing lobs or, or getting, you know, a putback. Uh, we're, we're just seeing his, his offensive game kind of expand a little bit as far as just different things that he's willing to do. I also um, think his his interior seals definitely hit that yes. especially um really starting that wizards game that when i saw that that made it look like he was really back to me that's that is a good point yeah uh, i think we should talk a little bit about the offensive game of Isaac Coro as of late too um had a career high 20 points uh against i believe that was against the raptors yes and uh against the magic came again with uh 15 uh, hasn't been shooting the ball well from outside, but hitting his free throws and I think, again, doing some good stuff, you know, attacking the rim, attacking the basket, you know, being there in fast break to get a lot of finishes. Um, in the game, well, I guess we can start with you, Amadou. In the game where, you know, he does go one for eight from three, finishing from eight point, for finishing with 20 points, um, what do you see from Isaac Okoro in that type of game? I love that, you know, he's taking the initiative to attempt the threes. And at the same time, I also love that if the three-point is not falling, he's looking for other areas to attack to still be a plus on the offensive end. Like you said, you know, even though he shot one of eight, he still ended up with 20 points and shot 50% from the field. So that's great to see. Um, I'm really liking his – same thing with Jared Allen, his assertiveness to go out and just try to get a bucket rather than, you know, if he gets the ball – on a rebound in transition, like you see multiple times in that uh, Raptors game, he looks, you know, to run full head of steam to the rim rather than, you know, trying to get the ball to one of the lead guards, whoever's the guard at the time when he's on the court and looking for them to make the play. He's looking to make the play of his own. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying his his offensive, you know, increases and influxes so far. I am as well. Uh, I think we're still seeing the moments. Uh, they're still around where he kind of does just drive into the rim with no real plan. And uh, he'll either just, you know, throw up some wild shot or draw an offensive foul or whatever else. But I think we are kind of seeing, you know, at the same time, more possessions where he is under control and is able to kind of make nice finishes around the rim and some some rather difficult finishes around the rim. I think just that discipline and, you know, being able to read that when he gets down low uh, has been a, a nice development that I think we've seen all season from Isaac and like I said, there are still lapses and some mistakes, but um, overall, it's, it's been really good for him. I want to talk about another starter who's been here in the lineup as of late, Dan. Jetty Osman, after the, you know, the out-of-the-rotation stretch that we saw from him has been back in the starting lineup. I, I, I can't say that I'm surprised with the way that things have gone. Uh, was Is he at three starts now? I believe he is. Um and in this stretch, uh, comes in and, you know, right away, 19 points, five assists, uh, efficient shooting night from, you know, the field as a general, and he even shot 50% three on six attempts. 
uh, <laughs> does that and then goes 2-9 against Toronto. Uh, comes back and I thought had a decent game against the Magic. Again, you know, only shot one for five from three. And those inconsistencies just continue to show themselves. But um, overall, what have you thought of, of Jetty since his reinsertion in the lineup and being in the starting lineup? Do you think that that was the right call? Well, I guess with Jetty, um, I guess just with the Cavs so thin right now, um, not having the, the I guess, shooting of Prince um, and or shot creation and or, I guess, ball movement sense, um, I, I guess just from a, uh, I guess, him having that lack of run um, in the five games prior, all DMPs, I, I guess it was fine. Uh, and Damian Dotson has been back here, um, I think, in the last two games, but he was also banged up. So um, I think from kind of like a secondary playmaking standpoint, I think that was more of the reasoning for it. Um, just with the uh, uh, other guys, especially in the last two games, having been banged up. Um, and Colin Sexton not being in there, I, I don't really read a ton into it. Um, I- I'm kind of with you in terms of the analysis of the last three games, too. Um, but as as we touched on, um, or if really touched on repeatedly, there's just so much uh, inconsistency with him. Again, with with me, the key bright spots are the is the playmaking um, ability uh, that's been able to get other guys good looks. Um, has made some really nice uh, kind of like quick interior feeds. Had a, I don't know if it was like a no look to Allen uh, in that Orlando game, but it was kind of in that realm. Uh, that was that one was good to see, um, and I, I just think it's more so just kind of easing the burden on Garland in that way, getting him a little bit more of uh, kind of off-ball instances. I think that's kind of more of what it is. But defensively, had a did have three steals um, at or I guess at Tampa, whatever you want to call or wherever it call is. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which was, I guess, a plus, but there's just so many. It, it seems like whenever Jetty gets like real extended runs, I mean, not all the time, but there's just the same silly fouls, um, fouling like three point shooters. It, it, like, I, I don't know what it is with him. It seems like the more he experience he's gotten, the more, I guess, same defensive mistakes we see. Um, and just. I don't know that kind of stuff kind of jumps out, um, but in that game against Orlando, did make some plays to kind of spark that comeback a little bit, and did get to line six times, hit all those. So um, I, I guess it's just kind of a the typical mixed bag with Jetty, and it's not like the competition has necessarily been like fantastic. Um, Toronto's been playing better, but it just seems like when there's better competition, by and large, there's the same mistakes and concerns with Jetty. That's fair. Uh, one positive takeaway I do want to kind of highlight was, it, at least in the Orlando game, um, I think, you know, he, he took seven threes against uh, against Toronto, uh, made two of them, and shot one for five against the Magic from outside. But uh, kind of, you know, shifted his game, I thought, against the Magic to kind of try to attack the rim a little bit more. And I thought he, well, he definitely had success doing so, just putting pressure on the rim. Uh, can I just um, ask like one real quick quick question? Yeah. When Jetty has the ball and he's like inside the three point line, 
why are people, like, just literally guard him perpendicular and just take away his right? Like, if he has take to go away left, the straight line. it's yeah. literally like a, like, fifth grader going left. Like, there's no, like, he's not going to be able to get into, like, a pull-up game of any, like, he has no comfortability doing that. Doesn't, like, the push shot is not going to have, like, he's not like Dylan Windler in the lane. I, I don't. I just find it shocking that he's ever even able to get those drives. That's that's just I think he, he gets plenty of them. It, it is a, it is a fair observation. He actually I mean, does, <laughs> and I was okay with that. And like I think you know he's not like a real stop and start guy. No, um, kind of has a kind of has the ability to kind of knife through the lane and just kind of not not necessarily eurostep, but just kind of step through you know the middle of guys. And I, I don't know exactly what to make of it. But um, it's just and I think, it's just shocking to me is every time every time you see it because you do see it at times. No, yeah, you do. Uh, you mentioned the pull up game. I think it, it's not a, a good thing, but I think we do see a fair share of even from outside, you know, the arc, the pull up shots. Um, I think you know maybe if if there's not a threat that'll make them, at least there's a threat that'll take them. Uh, maybe that'll get the defense well, off balance enough to where you can get to that right hand. It it just seems like when the pull up game is there, it's it's more so like a defender just not getting over on a screen. Like it's when they kind of lay back to take away like a like an entry pass. That's when it comes. But I don't. It just doesn't seem like he through all this time. Like there is just such limited shot creation. It's just unbelievable to me that he ever actually even gets layups on ball. Just still. Um. What have you thought of of Jetty's? reinsertion in the lineup have you have you enjoyed his play um well for his sake i just feel like this type of play was needed i mean you talk about a guy who like you talked about hit what five straight dnps um to do that and then go immediately back into starting lineup and continue to produce somewhat in those two games like we talked about and had that you know kind of stinker against i believe like the magic the inconsistencies are still there but either way it was a plus um maybe now i mean obviously now with the injuries and such He'll, he'll get his minute, his minutes back. Um, won't be a starter, thankfully. I don't know if this will continue, though. I, I feel like maybe – Jetty just seems like a guy who just – I don't know, man. Like, we, we've seen throughout the season when it's like the Cavs really, really need to rely on him. He just seems – he seems to show up in, you know, certain occasions, which is – it's a plus, but I'm, I'm not too sure. I feel like the inconsistencies are still there. Poor play will still show up. I don't want to call this a fluke, but I think – when, you know, the main squad is healthy, I feel like he'll probably go back to his normal ways of being an incredibly inefficient player. Yeah, even if Lamar Stevens was playing right now, I feel like we would see his minute share go down. Uh, definitely with Larry Nance being there. But, you know, it is what it is right now. We got him here. Amru, what has happened to Damian Dotson? Where is this Damian Dotson who is shooting in the last two games? He shot two for four. 50% from three, 40% from three in the second game. Where is this Damian Dotson coming from? Wow. Um, thank thank God. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this is just the same situation with, with uh, Jetty. He hasn't played in a long time. He wants to keep an NBA job. He's going to need to show that, you know, the, the one reason why the Cavaliers drafted him was because he could get you some quality, or he's a guy who, you know, could shoot at a, a, a good clip from three in limited minutes. He's shown that in the past couple of games, which is great. Um, but same thing with Delhi. I feel like I don't want to call this a fluke because I don't, I don't, I don't know 
if anything NBA player does is really a fluke. I just think he's hot in the moment. And hopefully this continues. You know, hopefully this continues. That was my guy to start the year. It have it obviously hasn't been the best year for him, but I don't know. Maybe this is a sign that something's a brewing. Maybe so. I, I think like overall he's played a couple of really good games. Uh, again, kind of having to take over a primary ball handler role, which was a, a position that he had success in earlier in the year. Uh, obviously didn't shoot this well. It's a very limited sample size. It's two games where he's taken nine threes and he's made four of them. Like it, it's it's very encouraging just to see because there was a point in the season where you know there were we even talked about this on the last pod, Dan, uh, where like there were bad bad misses on like open looks even from Damian and. I don't know. I thought he looked a lot more comfortable in these games. Uh, inside the arc, it seemed like he had a little bit of stuff going on too. You know, he made a couple mid-range shots in this game, or in these games that he, the two that he played. But um, I don't know. It was at a point where we were kind of questioning: Are we going to see Damian Dotson make another three this season? Um, and obviously, we didn't expect these injuries to come, and he got an opportunity that you know he wouldn't have gotten without them. But it, it, you have to be happy with what you've seen from Damian in these last couple of games. Yeah, I think you you guys hit on all the points. Um, there were times, there was a stretch there that frankly looked unplayable, which is not something I at all would have thought earlier in the season. Um, Amadou and I both have really had like a pretty long leash with him, I think. Um, but yeah, it's it was good to see for him, but it's, it's just frustrating because it doesn't seem like um, – the guy, frankly, is going to be back next season. I, I probably wouldn't think he is, considering the Cavs. He's a shooter that is going to need his touches and can't really be. Um, I, I thought it would have been a guy you could, honest, frankly, just put in kind of for spurts and just be like an instant energy guy. Um, between like him and Windler, I thought like one of the two that that would have been the case at least. Um, but yeah, it was good to see him uh, kind of earlier on or as was the case earlier, earlier on, kind of be able to provide supplemental playmaking, um, which, again, he has done, I think, admirably throughout the year. Um, that's been the biggest plus with him. Um, to go with his defense, I think that's still um, – his feel there is still pretty pretty encouraging. And uh, it was kind of like a veteran kind of uh, boost out there to an extent. Um, was able to get into some pull-up stuff. Like, his handle, again, every time I – or often when you see him play, like, he he does have a yeah um, he has, real shot yeah. shot creation ability. Um, the, that Without Prince in there, I think that was kind of another thing that kind of jumped out was kind of provided some of that stuff, um, kind of the sidestep ability that, you, frankly, you just can't teach, can't manufacture um, that he has. But it's – it's to me, it's it's t- – I guess just a tease, quite frankly. And we'll see. I think you know he'll continue to get opportunities here, especially if Sexton doesn't play this next game. Uh, you have to assume that Damien will continue to be in the rotation. Um, I don't know. Any any chance that he actually is on this team next season? And obviously we'll have to see, you know, what the roster situation is. The Cavaliers don't have a ton of free agents this offseason. Um, Matthew Delvadova, probably Isaiah Hartenstein, we'll see. Jared Allen, who you'd think they'll lock up, and Damian Dotson, and that's pretty much it right now. They have an extra roster spot that's currently with Fiondu. We'll see what happens there. 
But um, the, the thought is that I would say still probably gets waived this offseason just because of the non-guarantee. Um, and it seems like at this point he's a minimum guy. Like I, I don't see him going for more than a minimum contract this offseason. But if there was ever a chance that he were to stay on this roster, I think this will be the stretch to prove it. And he's doing a decent job of it right now. I still don't think he's there. But um, let's give a quick little discussion. Obviously, we only saw him play for three minutes and 33 seconds, and he didn't do a ton. But on Jeremiah Martin, who the that, that uh, was announced far before he actually officially signed. Uh, he did officially sign yesterday at this point. It will be two days ago when this goes up. Um, wasn't actually expected to play against the Magic. He was kind of just there. Uh, he was available, but they weren't going to put him in unless it was an emergency situation. I wouldn't say it was exactly an emergency situation when he got in the game. It was when they were down pretty big in that second half that they gave him a, a quick run. Uh, didn't see a lot from him. Uh, took one shot. Uh, had a turnover. Um, did, did you see anything really from Jeremiah Martin? I mean, it's it wasn't a whole lot, but I thought... It was just good to see him out there, if nothing else. Yeah, it was good to see him. Um, I do want to say he does have a great quick first step. Um, I think that one shot that he missed was a stream between him and Jared Allen, um, a little mid-range shot. But like you said, either way, just didn't get much time anyway. Nothing to really dissect, honestly. No. <laughs> yeah. Dan, are you still feeling optimistic about Jeremiah Martin at this point? Um, I think definitely with Del Vadova being out, uh, we'll definitely see him get opportunities, especially now as he gets more acclimated again. He wasn't expected to play in this game, but um, you're still expecting good things from him? I, I just think at this point, it's with how the season has gone with the Cavs, um, it, just being so banged up right now, especially um, with those two guards, like from a, um, it, they're limited in terms of like on ball um, creation, whether it be shot creation or like drives. Um, so I, I'd like to see him get some real run. Um, the Cavs pretty much know what they have um, in terms of the other guys that have had that run. Um, so I, I think if a guy like Broderick Thomas is getting burned, I think, with him having cleared COVID protocols, I, I think he should be a guy that we see in there. Um, I, as Hamidou touched on, really lightning, quick first step, um, has that shake, has natural hesitation ability that some a lot of guys don't have. Uh, and I just think with his ability to get in the lane, I think he could be able to draw fouls, um, could be a guy that – in the in this kind of ending stretch here, it's I mean you just just sign him to a two way deal. Why not give him some burn? Um, because you can't play anybody in the G League right now um, because that's done. So I, I'd like to see him in there. I I think he can give us some scoring pop, and if he makes mistakes, he makes mistakes. But the Cavs, I mean, winning at this point is is not they're not making the plan. So why not? I, I definitely think we'll be able to make a a better assessment of Jeremiah Martin throughout these next couple of games. Uh, I, I definitely do expect him to get, I won't say heavy minutes, but we could see him get high teens, possibly even low 20s in minutes in one of these games. So I think it's, it's like I said before, especially if Colin isn't going to play, I think that is definitely coming. So we'll be able to, again, make a more 
complete assessment of him soon. One last guy that I really do want to hit on is Fiondu Cabangale, who, I mean, we, we've had plenty of Fiondu discussion here. Um, I thought had a fine game against the Magic. Came in and really during a time where they struggled pretty heavily, I thought gave the Cavs a little bit of life. Uh, finished two points short of his career high of 10. He had eight points. He had, I believe, three rebounds. Uh, a couple of steals as well. Hit a couple threes. At this point... Um, it is the it is the 29th. This will be going up on the 30th. We may already have news by the time this goes up as to what the Cavs plan to do with Fiondu Cabangale. Um, he, he's on his second 10-day right now, so the only options they would have were to be just to let him go or to sign him for the rest of the season, possibly more. Um, Amadou, what was your impression of that little spurt that Fiondu gave? I think that was about the best we've seen from him in a Cavaliers uniform. Um, and... I don't know, after a performance like that, do you think that he gets a shot at the rest of the season? Um, well, just considering the injuries that we've had, Larry Nance is, like we said, looked to be out for the rest of the year. I think, yes, we can definitely see him be signed for the rest of the season at the very least. Um, and just like you said, you know, in a time where the Cavs were really struggling, you know, he gave us life. And that, that was a positive, of course. Um, it was the last chance to really showcase his talented Cavaliers, and he, and he did. So... I'm going to go back on what I said last podcast, just talking about I don't think he'll be back. I do believe now he'll, he'll probably be back with the Cavaliers for at least the rest of the season. I do feel bad for Fiondo, and it wasn't in this Magic game. I believe was it, it was I believe against the Raptors uh, in fast break. I think it was Darius Garland that tried to throw him a lob, and uh, I don't know. Coordination in the air especially doesn't seem like his biggest strong suit as an NBA player, and uh, kind of fumbled that. Um, but overall, yeah, I think, you know, what we've seen, I'm still not blown away by, but I still see, you know, there being a possibility to just keep him around again, like we had said in the past for a summer, just to keep develop- developing him and see what you have by this time next season if you can keep on working with him. That being said, Dan, uh, I do want to get your opinion here. Obviously, the S- Sacramento Kings have made a series of moves. They've signed Damian Jones to a multi-year deal. They've also signed uh, Chemezi Metu to a multi-year deal. And in order to sign both of those guys, they waived Chris Silva, who is just a little bit over a year older than Fiondu at this point, I believe. Uh, somebody that I know you are quite fond of as a player. Um, I guess I'll just, I'll give you the floor here. What do you think will happen at this point And what do you want to happen at this point? Well, I- I'm going to go back on what I said last time too, because I didn't think... Isaiah Hardenstein and Nance were going to get hurt. So, and at least before the Cavs had um, some hope of a plan possibility, like some, even if it was pretty slim possibility. Um, given that, I, I didn't think that would be the case. So, uh, I, I guess, yeah, we'll, we could very well see him with a rest of season deal. And for all the reasons you stated, um, Still uh, has been woefully disappointing to me. Um, just looks really slow, quite frankly, even for like, I mean, for a guy that's like a kind of an undersized five, realistically, I, I just, I, I don't know if he should lose weight. It's, it, it's just hard to see. I don't, I don't think the lateral quickness is really going to improve. Um, but again, I, I, I guess I get where you're coming from, from maybe you want to keep him around for summer, yada, yada. But to me, Chris Silva has a design, like, like 
a legit skill set um, that this team could use as a rotational rim protector. Um, is I think I don't honestly know if he's six nine. I think he's like six eight and a half. But I, I see a lot of uh, just kind of hustle grit stuff from him. I think he's kind of like a poor man's like when he's on Tristan Thompson. That's just my opinion. Um, I, I think he's a real energy big um, kind of just to me. That'd be a guy I'd much rather have um, comes from a winning culture as well um, with the heat and just has really good finishing abilities inside and is a really like legit lob threat um, put back guy to really good screener, both on and off ball. I, I just think defensively he's not, I'm not going to say he's a guy that's like switchable, but I, I think is more fluid, um, can at least hang around in, in front of guys and, and uses his length to contest fairly well, plays vertical well. Um, and is, I think fouling is at least somewhat less of an issue with him. Um, and, and I just think is a guy that definitely runs well um, rim to rim. So I, I think he's just would be a good guy to have, frankly, to me. Uh, I, I think that guy could contribute to winning um, pretty early on. So um, that's just my opinion. I don't see that happening. But, yeah, I, for all the reasons stated, yeah, he – wouldn't be shocking if Cam Gelly were kept around uh, just with the injuries and have him having him at least around um, initially here. So I am I am with you. I am also a fan of Chris Silva. Definitely a more fluid athlete than Fiondu. But um, yeah, I think just the versatility that he brings on defense as well. Um, I think you know he's someone who I guess again talking comparisons to Fiondu Cabangeli. Uh, you trust more to kind of, you know, guard out on the perimeter when he needs to. Um, not necessarily like an elite rim protector, but I think he does have a little bit of sh- – he, well, he definitely has some shot blocking ability. Uh, like you said, just a good energy, big, and uh, an ideal third guy at that spot. Um, um, do I guess what what direction would you rather see them go in uh, at this point? Would you rather them kind of take a chance on a guy like Silva? Would you rather them just kind of – like I said, I'm kind of with you at this point where I would not be surprised at all if what they do is just keep Fiondu around. But would you be opposed, I guess I'll say, to a guy like Silva over um, Fiondu? No, I wouldn't. Um, I just feel like now is the time for them to really go out there and try to experiment with different guys. I don't think – excuse me. Um, yeah, Fiondu, I, I just doubt he'll get picked up by another team. So if you want to go in a different route – and try to see what Chris Silva can do. You can give him a 10-day, maybe two. And if you don't like it, at that point, I think the season will be done, though. So it wouldn't even make sense. I just, I don't know. I feel like now is the time to really, if you're really, really pressing for a third center, now is the time, obviously, with the injuries to Harnstein and Nance. But I think it'll probably just be best just to stick with Fondu, just because it's about, what, how many games? 15 to 20 games left in the season either way, so... That, that's my I don't even think that. it's that many. Yeah. I think it's, 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 it's ten. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So at this point, you might as well just ride the season out with Fondu and just maybe you can bring Silva in on a training camp deal or something. Well, I think he'll definitely get picked up by someone this off season, um, whether it be a a ten day or whatever. Not a ten day, but a a, a two way was what I meant to say, or a non guaranteed. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised to see him get a guarantee next season. I think that. Yeah, I, I just think he's a solid, dependable backup big. Um, and, and just someone who, like you had mentioned, is just a worker too. 
someone who went undrafted. I believe he was with the Heat in Summer League. Um, you know, he, he was a Summer League guy that got a, a uh, training camp invite uh, and... He was a he was a two way guy for them too who got converted to a multi year deal so yeah I mean just kind of kept moving up the ladder in Miami and I think obviously you know he, there wasn't really a ton of opportunity for him to play there uh, being that they were a contending team and you know having Bam and uh, Kelly Olynyk in the past and whoever else to play over him it was understandable but I definitely do think in the right situation he could make a real impact um, whether it's here or elsewhere. Before we kind of wrap this up, <laughs> are you guys ready to just kind of embrace tanking the rest of the season away? Um, at this point, I'm, I mean, we're out of the play-in conversation and looking at whether we even, you know, want to win or lose at this point. I mean, our, our next four games are against the Wizards, Heat, Blazers, Mavs. Um, you know, we have the we have the Nets. At, like, I think that's the last game of the season. Uh, they're, they're, they have the Celtics. The Pacers are a game that you know maybe will be winnable. Uh, we'll just have to see what the health situation is at that point in the season uh, for them and, and for us. But um, Amadou, are you are you ready to just embrace embrace the tank the rest of the season, the rest of the way? Yeah, I think honestly, it's just it's just time at this point. I believe we're just above the Thunder for the fifth best odds at number one overall pick, if I'm not mistaken, but. Either way, yeah, towards the end of that, the, the teams at the, at who are top five are all within, you know, a couple games of each other. I see we're just two games back of the Pistons for the worst record in Eastern Conference. So if you want to help, you know, increase the odds or I'm not even sure, you know, these new draft odds, it kind of looks like, you know, being in that sixth, seventh, eighth spot is probably better than, you know, being the second, having the second highest odds like we've had the past two years. And we all know how that ended up. But Honestly, it's time to just let the youth grow. You know, guys like Jeremiah Martin and Roger Thomas, I do want to see them get more burn. And I feel like that probably benefits the team better than, you know, trying trying your best to really make a play in that. It just doesn't even seem likely at that. And even if you do make it, I doubt we're going to beat any of the other teams that are in it as well. Dan, are you ready to accept accept the losses and, and take them for the benefit that we're going to get from them at this point. Yeah, I just would think either way, they're not getting more than two loss, two wins going the rest of the way anyway. Um, and, and I think I, I, I can't remember exactly what it is, but I think they're like six games back now of the play-in. So there are good ways away. I can so look it, up it, it at this rate, they're, yeah, you might as seven well. Games, actually, seven games back. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, that was okay. That was as of yesterday. But uh, yeah, it's that's what they're they might as well do at this point. Um, with those said guys banged up, um, guys like Hartenstein and Nance that do impact um, your chances of winning game to game. It's it's just hard to see like an alternative for not doing so. Like, what, what's the point of not playing those guys? Yeah. I have, I guess it's fitting being that tonight is the night of the NFL draft. Um, I have one draft related question for both of you, and I'll give my answer as well. I guess, yeah, I, I have a guy in mind. Um, talking about outside of the top five, which again, I think there's a consensus top five. Uh, and we've obviously talked about, you know, 
our hesitation maybe for this team to draft a Jalen Suggs. But looking at guys that are in that kind of not even not that the Cavs are going to pick at twelve, but in that kind of five to twelve range as prospects. Um, who is one guy that you are like completely out on for this team drafting, other than Davion Mitchell? Corey Kesper. I just I just do not want him. I feel like he'd be a fine player. I just I just don't think that's the pick you make if you're the Cavaliers. I was I was reading a Bleacher Report article just about like three likely picks for each team, and that was what inspired this because I had Cordy Kispert as as one of the players on here. Um, I just think the limited upside play just kind of kills it for you. Um, would provide shooting, which would be nice, um, and that was kind of the rationale they had for the pick in general. Uh, is just another floor spacer, kind of you know doing what I think you kind of hope Dylan Windler would do essentially, but. Um, who do you have, Dan? That's a reasonable one. I think for me, it's – but I can at least understand. I mean, he does have a defined skill set um, and does kind of provide some size at the two. Um, can't play the three a good bit. Um, and he's should be a fine player. Um, but personally, I'm just not – I was earlier on, like, to an extent – um, but Jalen Johnson to me is not one I want to see with the Cavs just because I don't really know if he's, again, I, we've hit on this or I have, I guess, um, I, I don't really see how he's going to be able to help your offense from day one, um, for a while. Frankly, I, I just have real shooting concerns. Uh, I, I don't know how much, like to me, his, his playmaking is not like Nance, like in the sense that I don't know if it's like in set offense is going to be able to really be like a huge boon for you. Um, and considering the Cavs have like other tertiary playmakers that are bigs, I don't really see like to me, I'm like having some redundant stuff is fine. Like a guy like Scotty Barnes, um, but, or like James Bonite or book, uh, book Knight, like from a scoring standpoint, I, I really like, but, yeah, Johnson, I, I just question how much, in, and with the Cavs in particular, how much he could really impact you. My answer, and I know, I think, I, I'm not sure what your guys' opinion of him is actually. I think you're, you're definitely higher on him than I am. But uh, Franz Wagner is someone who I would absolutely stay away from if I am this team, or if I'm any team, really. It's, it's all um, about context to me with him, with the Cavs, at least. In what way? Well, I just think if if they were to trade down, like if they were to get like the seventh pick, and they're they're not really they don't see like the guy they like that's like a real game changer for them there. From their perspective, I can understand him as is like a trade down guy. But those are situations we'll have to get into later. But I, I think there might be some possibilities where they could do that with guys like package where you package guys like maybe like Prince, um, if that's kind of like with like other salary filler where you're kind of looking at that. Maybe you can convince me like late lottery or if it's even outside the lottery, if they trade back, but um, I'm, like, I'm really I, just, I, I wouldn't not pro- get convinced I that probably Franz Wagner cons- is an NBA player. That's fair. Um, I, I just think with him, like he, he had a lot on his plate at Michigan. Um, and I, I just think what he's, at least, like, there's the shot was kind of streaky, admittedly, but the form is good. It's, it's like he gets it off quick. 
Um, four bigger guy um, has does use his wingspan well. I think on both ends of the floor. Um, and I thought I think his handle, frankly, is is kind of overlooked. I think that's pretty pretty tight for a player um, of his size. And I, I think he's a guy that I think just frankly can mesh in a number of different lineups with the Cavs. That's that's kind of the seller to me in, in that way. I just – the handle is fine. It is. And the shot, maybe it gets there. Uh, I'm not sold that it will be. Maybe it does. I just don't really see, like, one real, like, NBA caliber skill on offense that will keep him in the league. Like, I just think he's – I think there is such real potential for him to just, like, be awful on offense in the NBA. Uh, and the, the defense will be there, I think. You know, whether it's an elite defender – uh, it will certainly be a versatile one, but um, I am I'm not convinced that he's going to be like anything substantial in the NBA at any point. Um, how, how do you feel about Franz Amadou? I actually do kind of like him, but I agree with your take where it's like he seems like he can do some things well, but what's the one thing that he really excels at? And I just I just don't really see that with him. And I don't know about those type of players if we're looking at from the the six to nine range for the Cavaliers. Now, if like Dan has said, if, if it's like a trade down scenario where you're looking to trade down as well as acquiring more things, yeah, sure. But if that's your your one pick that you want to look to make, I, I I'd be hesitant to do that if I'm the Cavaliers. See, so like to me, he'd fit really well with a team like Indy um, that has that it's kind of just like a depth guy that can provide a, a number of different things in stretches. Like with the Cavs, though, I just think he's a guy that could really fit well with, with Sexland. I think he could like play at the four a good am- amount too. Um, and it, the key is uh, the swing skill is going to be like the on-ball um, creation ability. Whether that's going to transfer, we'll have to see. Um, because it was it – was, the shot was up and down at Michigan, but I just I think the like off movement stuff, um, the flashes there have been good. Um, the playmaking secondary feel I, I think is there. Um, I, I think he'll have a fine NBA career. It's it, it's those are all legitimate concerns though. But I'm just curious. This is one last question. Like Amadou, what do you see with Keon Johnson like in relation to the Cavs? Is that somebody you'd entertain? I go back and forth on him a little bit. Yeah. Um, he had a fine season at Tennessee. It's just a shot. There's some concerns there. I don't know. A six. What is he like? Six, five ish. I think he's, he's slender. Too. He's slender. Exactly. Too. So he'd probably have to play the two guard for us, at least for right now, until he can bulk up and add more weight. But I don't know. You know, like we said with Sexland. He's probably going to be reserved to sort of an, an off-ball type of role, and I don't think that's the the main role for him. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't know too much about his fit with the team, honestly. That's reasonable. Yeah. I, I just think with him, it's kind. I mean, as cliche as it sounds, he is um, like really twitchy. Just mm-hmm. in, I mean, even in, as like in terms of NBA athleticism, is in that like upper echelon in terms of athlete. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a. It's kind of a guy that you can find a way to just kind of get on the floor, um, in lineups. But it, it is definitely a pick where, 
considering you just drafted a Coro in the exactly. last, the last exactly. one, it's, it's it's hard to see exactly what he would do. Like you'd have to. There's no point in drafting him if he's not going to be a super sub for you. So it's it's kind of difficult in that way. Um, but yeah, I, like to me, if you're not getting that top five, um, like it, it's Scotty Barnes is the one that really pops. Just the obviously the shots going to be a question mark, but you can with how he's able to impact games in other ways it that pops. Um, so does the size, the versatility positionally. Um, and also I, I do really like, uh, book night though. I just think he's, he's just an instant bucket. I definitely agree. I have one more guy. I just want to throw out there just cause I feel like he's getting a little bit more attention as of late. Josh Giddy, uh, another guy who it seems like would be a, a maybe, and you know, we've seen with Patrick Williams at this time in the year last season. Um, you know, this was a guy who was like ranked 14th, 15th range and he went four. um, what do you guys think of Giddy? Again, not someone I've watched enough of at this point to get a, a real firm opinion on, but that is somebody who, as just kind of again a playmaking wing who can get out and transition, uh, that is somebody that I've been intrigued with as of late. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what I've read on him, he's just a six eight playmaker, you know, and those type of players are really starting to come into a league their own now. You know, obviously you have Ben Simmons, um, LeBron is sort of in that realm, Luka Doncic. I'm not saying, you know, Josh is to that echelon of players, but, you know, that's the type of guy, an oversized playmaker. We see Kate Cunningham is in that sort of realm, but I don't know if I'm taking him from that six to nine range. I feel like, I mean, like, like we talked, like you just said, you know, Patrick Williams was in that type of, you know, got that hype late and obviously went forth, but I don't know. Again, but if, if that's the player that Cavs want, I can't hit on them for for picking a player who they who they want. So, any strong Josh Giddy takes before we get out of here? Um, it's it's tough to say. It does depend on where you're targeting him. Um, he's kind of the mocks have been kind of all over with him of late. Um, to me, I, I like him too. Um, would be like a really heck of a kind of jumbo one um, in non non Garland minutes. That would be very intriguing, but um, not the, I just question the kind of scoring ceiling for him that the swing skills are, are obviously going to be like the off dribble um, shooting ability that those there's questions there, but is really young. Um, and I, I think defensively is not, um, it is kind of a question in terms of like where he would guard, um, but can I think would be very effective against ones and twos. Um, could I mean definitely can get be effective against some threes. Um, does have really impressive feel for the game for his age, um, but again, it's where you're targeting at, like what kind of trade down scenario that would be um, would be intriguing. But to me, I, I'd rather just kind of look at maybe just kind of trying to like purchase a second rounder um second round kind of playmaker uh in in the realm of Jason Preston um it'd be kind of kind of a clearer uh thing in that way but Giddy is really young so I, I get that but it, with the Cavs it would be uh, kind of hard to see exactly what that would be I, I don't know if there's off ball viability is kind of a concern I think that's fair. 
Uh, I think we will wrap it up there. Um, thank you, everyone out there, so much for listening. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Amadou. As always, for hopping on. Uh, if you enjoyed listening, uh, subscribe so you never miss a future episode. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, on Apple, uh, leave a rating. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review if you can. Uh, it does help out the show. And uh, with that, we will talk to you again soon. Hey, everyone. The NBA season is underway, and there is no better way to celebrate than with Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.